there's something we need to address right at the top of the episode, which is food does not belong on top of the ice cube trays. That needs to be accessible at all times in the freezer. Oh, did something fall on top of it? Nothing fell on top of it. You put it on top of it. And I know you did. <laughs> and I don't know why you're lying about it. Things don't go on top of the ice cube trays, okay? We need access to that at all times. It's important. We need a lid for the ice cube trays. Is there such a thing as a lid, ice cube tray lid? Why would there be? So that way you can put stuff on top of the ice cube tray. No, the point is not that things get stuck in the ice, which also happens too. Also happens. The point is that you can't get ice out without moving stuff. Yeah. I wish the little like bin had like a little door like on the front so you could like pull it down and then just scoop some out. That's kind of clever actually. The problem is though, everything would just fall down. You know what I mean? All the ice would just cascade out of the freezer at that point. Yeah, but if you only kind of keep it half full, you're in, you're pretty safe. I guess, man, but I like to keep it full. I like a lot of ice in my beverages. Okay. I need access to it. Stop doing that. Okay. Well, again, I'm very sensitive today, so I don't appreciate being yelled at. (laughs) Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They got me, gal. They got me real good. Look what they did to my boy. (laughs) Uh, You know... I can't think of an Omarion song to really, like, make a good joke. Oh, yeah. Nobody can. There is an icebox where my heart used to be, um, except we already been to knew that. Um, so, you know, you know, you know, Covidina knocks for, for every man, and today was my day. Yeah, it comes for all of us eventually. After two years. I mean, gotta say, what, a, go- what a good run. We were joking about it, but you can no longer use the I am invincible meme. I know. Oh, I only got to use it for like two weeks. What a bitch. I know. That's the worst part of it for you. Ugh. Is that you got to feel morally superior to everyone around you for, for all this so time. long. Ugh. So long. And then it came for you. And you're not even that sick. No. It's, it's annoying. It's yeah. so stupid. It always happens. It's always, it's always New Year's. This happened last New Year's. I was alerted on New Year's Eve that I was exposed and went, excuse me, I have to cancel everything? And the answer was yes. Um, so, here we are again. Yeah, well, how many days away is New, Year- New Year's Eve? We're recording Three. this on the 29th. Three days. Two. Two days. Fuck. Yeah. That's, not, that's not long enough. I was going to say, we could reach out to interested parties and see who's willing to roll the dice on this. Or who just wants to chicken pox it and get it out of the way. Uh, yeah, that's true. So you, you want some l- light sniffles and maybe a tad bit of I could use some mucinex and it'd be really great. Oh, I guess we're doing it on the podcast right now. Oh, to anybody out there, we're having a New Year's Eve COVID party, <laughs> sanctioned are we, by DeBunglero. Are um, we doing a COVID positive safe space right now? Absolutely, oh, okay. we are absolutely a, a paused up safe space. Okay, in more ways than one. In your case, excuse me. <laughs> no. Ugh. Anyway, can you do me a favor? What? I'm gonna cut this out. Turn that light off. I'm going to turn this light okay. off. You're a silhouette. Oh, yeah. I love being a silhouette, though. Just because you have COVID doesn't mean you get to be a wraith of death. I like no I face. like being the interrogator, you know? I don't like it. It's too hard to talk to you. Oh, it's fun for me. Um, Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, so thoughts, feelings, now that it's come for you, other than being annoyed by it, which, of course, I'm annoyed by it, too, because it means the same thing for me that it means for you, effectively. What? 
I can't do anything either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Congratulations. It's only God f- damn it. Listen, the CDC only said five days, so you know. Yeah, I know. That's a whole that's a whole hullabaloo now. Oof. I, because mm. it's very, very painfully obvious that they just changed that on the whims of some CEOs. Well, the plane CEOs were like, can you make it five? Because we got to keep the planes running. So five it is. Five it is. I'm like, uh... Okay. I don't. I just don't know at this point how anybody can believe anything any official agency says when well, stuff like that is so flagrant. Well, now it's just like you know, if if you're worried about, you know, we've fully let the like the anti-mask, anti-vax people just go play in the deep end, and now we're just losing people on the like slightly left of liberal because even or even no, even the centrists are like, excuse me. Yeah, it's too obvious. Because now the fallacy of like, they're keeping us safe is now just like falling away. And no. they're like, what? Oh, wait, we were being exploited the entire time for other people's gain? Oh, wow. Hello, welcome to the party, libs. Hi. It truly does seem like it's breaking people, which in a very dark-sided way gives me a little bit of hope that we're kind of nearing the end here. When people are like, listen, everyone I know has it. Nobody's dying of it. It's basically a cold. In your case, yeah. it doesn't even seem like you're sick. I've seen you way sicker. Oh yeah, just the my only from a regular cold than this. Oh, I mean, when I had the flu. Yeah. Do you remember the oh, flu yeah, when yeah, I yeah. just you just had the flu? You were like, "Are you alive?" And I'm like, "No, leave me." Like just <laughs> yeah. not moving in bed all day in full pain, going, "I don't know what's going on," and it's not that was not the covidina, right? And then this is just like, y'all got some sniffles? Yeah, so my point... And are you tired? And I'm like, I'm always tired, though. That's why I couldn't tell. I I genuinely don't know if I have it right now or not, because I got up early today. So I'm just as tired at 9 p.m. as I would always be. If you got up at... Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, you got up earlier. I was like, excuse me. Excuse me. You You don't have to go anywhere. What are you doing? This is a tangent, but uh, I've had enough time off work in recent days that I'm going through a little bit of depression, wasting my life. Oh, you know that feeling when you've just uh yeah. I'm like I keep getting up at eleven it, for no reason. This just has to. Ten stop. o'clock is a little bit more yeah reasonable to be like ooh on my vacation time I wake up at ten. But even then by like day four of ten you're like let's push it to nine tomorrow shall we? Well, especially because what happens is oh I need to do one or two things today and then that eventually piles up to now I have to do five things today because uh-huh. I woke up at eleven four days in a row and didn't do anything. Oh, yeah. So now you know you can't. It's impossible to do three or four things in a day. Well, yeah. And I'm really trying to get my reading time in because I'm nearing the end of this book. And mm-hmm. I've, you know, it's taken me so long to read it as it would have anyway, given its length, but yeah. just because I haven't had time. And so I'm, I'm really just trying to get it in there anyway. Point is, yeah, everyone's seeing now this COVID strain is not dangerous. They're making us go back to work. Man, yeah, because you know what? You got to keep it chugging along. I don't it's... think it's good. I don't think the optics of it are good. I wish I could get 10 days off like twice a year. I mean, for the rest of my days, if we're going to be stuck with masks and all this other bullshit, like hell yeah. But now they're taking away everything good. So anyway, maybe, <sighs> maybe, just maybe we're coming to the end of this thing. I kind of think functionally we are, even th- though the pandemic itself is going to be around. Mm, don't I you mean, think? I mean, we're now getting to the point where, you know, I don't know if 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 literally if the only thing that happens is hospitals get filled up by like unvaccinated people. Then it's just like, well, whatever, fuck them. The thing is, that's not even really happening. Yeah, kind of. Not really. People go to the hospital because they're like, I feel bad. And doctors are like, go the fuck home. 
You're yeah. not, you don't need oxygen and you're fine. Get well, out a here. lot of the problem is too nurses and doctors are quitting left and right because they're just tired of this, you know, and they can't fill these positions back up. It sometimes has less to do with like COVID in particular than just the stress. The great resignation applies to all, you know. Oh, yeah. I so mean, we're having problems all over the place. But I, I'm saying like in big liberal blue cities, I don't really think that their hospitalizations are that insane. They're not because everybody's vaxxed. Yeah. I mean, that's and yet the, thing. the yeah. cases are like a half a million in one day or whatever. So cases are not hospitalizations. Well, so... that's the thing. We talked about this one other time, but it's, it seems like in their messaging. I don't know if you saw this thing the other day where the Biden was talking to a bunch of state governors and was like, yeah, there's no federal solution to this. It's just up to you guys. And they're pivoting their messaging to basically like, there isn't anything we can do about it. If cases are high, whatever, as long as hospitalization and death is low, we don't care. And that means it's the end of it. Yep, man, we're done. And if we're going to, you know, and if they want fucking all the peons to go back to work, eventually they have to make it stop. So, I mean, congratulations, everyone. I don't know. It's really weird. It's It's a weird state of affairs. It's a weird thing to be like, I don't know. It's a weird thing to be like, all right. We give up, but good luck. You know, like, I don't, you know, it's basically just saying, like, you know, whoever it affects is who it affects, and then they're just going to have to fucking deal with it. The dystopian aspect of it is that we talked about this the second week that this was happening. It was very obvious that this was always the plan, and what's been frustrating me for two years is having to pretend. So now we don't have to pretend anymore. That's why I'm somewhat gleeful. Like, if everybody's on the same page of, like, all right, whatever the messaging is, we just got to get on with it. Thank God, finally, we've all arrived. Hello, world. You know, the indignity of this whole affair is what still stings. You know, we I didn't mean, get any significant concessions out of this. You're still going to have to wear a mask in public forever. Like, you're just probably going to have to get boosted for the rest of your fucking life. All yeah, this probably, all this bullshit, yeah. like, the real stinging parts are still going to happen. Right. I mean, you know... <sighs> I don't, I mean, I think, I don't know. I wonder if now, like, everyone can be like, well, I had my two shots and my boosty, and then I finally got Omarion, and now I can just say that I'm done. Like, a lot of people are just going to be like, no, I have enough anti, like, we good now. We'll like, see. I mean, I think anybody that's committed to the booster already is pretty much psychologically committed to doing it as much as they're told to do it for as long as they're told to do it. One person that I know that got it, uh, their significant other got covid but then they didn't so they were like i don't know i guess it fucking worked but i don't know the first person i know that got the omarion variant was triple vaxxed. Oh, wow. so actually both of them were <laughs> now that i think about it so i you know who cares i mean and you know now that you've gotten it you're good for a while you're probably good for like a year at least it's very clear it's like three i think months. i said on another another podcast that you couldn't get it twice that's not true you, you can def- def- you can definitely get it twice yeah but you know you're good for a little while you just don't get the same strain twice, maybe? Maybe get different strains. Well, I'm very curious about what's about to happen to me. Because mm-hmm. if I test myself in a couple of days and I come back negative, oh, baby. That alpha variant. You know, I got the original. I got the OG. Mm-hmm. I, now I'm not speaking as a scientist here, but I think I'm immune to all of them. I don't think that's the case. I think that's absolutely 100% true. You can take that to the bank. Ask Dr. Fauci. He said it publicly. Okay. Well. Alpha males, alpha variant, alpha strength. I need your gamma ass to shut the fuck up and sit <laughs> sit the fuck down. Thank you so much. Was I gamma? Yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was delta. No, you were not. No, I thought. Are you sure? I texted you mine, and you were like, "Oh, oh yeah, shit, yeah, me too. you were gamma too." That's right. Oh, God damn it. Mm-hmm. That's so lame, dude. It's the worst one. Nobody look that up. Will and I are not gammas. Oh, I'm I'll an be, alpha, I'll be, and I'll you're be, a beta. I'll be. 
and that's very clear. I'll be putting a picture of that on the Instagram. Oh. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, just out of spite at this point. Oh. I got nothing. I got nothing else to do now. Now that I can, I can post things in a timely manner. Shit, I'll, I'll. You want to go do whatever tomorrow? I'll edit this episode. I don't care. Shit. Oh, great. That sounds good. I, I'll put my fingies all over your keyboard, and then you can lick it later, and then try and. I know. I don't want to talk too much about things I have to do because I am in a gray area here where technically. I really shouldn't be going out at all, but I have no symptoms right now. You have no symptoms. You're double vac, double vaxxed and have had it. Yeah. So technically you kind of almost have a booster already. Uh, kind of. I mean, I'm very suspicious of this because, and I mean that from like the angle of like, I'm a little bit paranoid. I'm going to get it. Cause it's been long enough in both cases. Yeah. Cause I got the vast, months, like yeah. almost vax as soon as I could more or less. And I got COVID well over a year ago, so who knows? Right, yeah. And I think it's different for different people. Your antibodies might persist for longer, but different strains, who knows? Who cares? I'm not afraid of it. I just, mm. I have a feeling, eh. Yeah, you'll probably get The something. likelihood of getting it's, you know, it seems like Omicron's just running through the whole squad, so. It just, it just hits everything. Yeah. I don't know. Again, to feel but like. But it's a cold, so whatever. Yeah, I'm like, mm. the the problem that I have with with the way the world works is so like you know i was like mm. again the 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 only thing that i like i only got a self-test because i was running errands yesterday and was like i feel a little drippy let me just get it just in case and just in case i have to do it for work purposes and then like over the course of the day i was like mm, this drippy is getting a little sniffly but that's not a that's not a symptom so why should i worry about it and then you, re- you do some doom scrolling and you're like oh sniffles are now part of the the new thing so i was like okay let's just swabby 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 bing bang boom but so it looks kind of suspicious if you're like yeah i wasn't having any symptoms but i on a lark decided eh, it wouldn't be the worst idea yeah yeah you know well it also just lets you know how many people have it and are asymptomatic and, are just and spreading it yeah. because you just don't know and like i was shocked you were able to find a test at all oh Dwayne Reed in on uh Wyth Avenue. I mean, your timing must have been amazing because they're flying off the shelves. I think they probably just unpacked them. Yeah. But, I mean, they had cases of them. Yeah. And I was like, sick. It's made by the same people who make Roman, the ED pills and the hair <laughs> and the hair pills. <laughs> Great. This episode brought to you by Big Pharma, folks. <sighs> or Medium Pharma, Startup Pharma. <sighs> Even worse. Yeah. Except if... Do you want overpriced generic drugs from India? They don't come from Canada? I don't know, probably. I'm not sure. I'm just guessing that given the business model of those companies, you're not getting the highest quality product available. Mm. I still want that Keep sponsorship, though. Yeah, you know, well, I get emails from Podcorn all the time, and I just throw them in the trash. I only want the Keeps one, so they can send me samples. Well, you should reach out to them. See how much money we can get for our listener count. Be like, hello, this is my definitely not Photoshop number count of downloads. (laughs) um i am also a bald i would like monies and treats please send both yeah we'll take 25 dollars each i don't even care about the money i mean i just want you to get your treat (laughs) i just want to see if if you could get free samples i mean if we could if we had to read ads and it was just for free samples of stuff that'd be fine i'll I'll read ads for beds if i get a free bed oh man Call 1-800-CASPA-MATTRESS for your new CASPA-MATTRESS today. The Wave Hybrid. It's got foam and springs. It's going to support your neck, your back, your pussy, and your crack. 
<laughs> Up until that last part, I thought this was like a uh, <laughs> local television advertisement from the 1980s. Yeah, and then it took a Kia detour. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Yeah, anyway. Um, very sad. I had to cancel the Memoria tickets, though. I it was very angry. Yeah, well, we should see if we can stream it somehow. No, they... The, the director explicitly forbid streaming of oh, it. Oh, it's one of those movies. Okay. Well, because it's about the sound. Oh, that's true, too, yeah. Memoria is a movie. Of, I forget what the, exactly the premise of it. An archaeologist finds, like, a mysterious sound. Uh, she, something like that? Yeah, she, like, he wakes up one morning and hears, like, a really strong, like, um, And then she starts investigating it, and it's in Colombia, and they're doing excavation, you know. um, So it's atmospheric and moody. Yeah. I was like, ooh, a film, a real film. Yeah, I support the theater experience for something like that. Yeah. It's I, critical with good sound design. You can't really do that at home well. No, not not on the Vizio. No. So if you want to support the Green Lewis film experience, please don't even go to Patreon. Just go to Amazon and send us a soundbar, please. Oh, d- do better than that. I was just talking to Will before we started recording here that I think I'm going to convert his bedroom into absolutely a home not. Theater when no, he's not this is home. this is not going to. I'm going to paint the walls black and I'm going to put up sound deafening panels and I'm going to install a surround sound system and put an 80 inch TV in there and you'll be grateful that I did it once it's done. To sleep where? On the couch. You love the couch. You mostly sleep there. <laughs> the couch does a terrible job supporting again the neck, the back. The pussy and the crack. So you you wake up and you hunch over, and you go, "Oh no, I'm broken today." Well, you'll li- you'll learn to live with it. You'll learn to live in your hole. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you have doesn't mean I have to suffer. Okay, um, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, there will be no home cinema. I know it's too bad that we used up all the content. We've been watching a lot of movies lately, and now you're stuck here, and we have nothing left to watch. We've literally watched it all, I think. No, there's some. There's some. I'm I'm sure there's got to be a way to watch Pizza Licorice. No, Licorice Pizza is a theater-only movie, too, I think, at least for now. And come on, come on. I don't know. Maybe some of these are attainable, but... Don't I, you have ways, wink, wink, to uh, acquire... That, that's true, but if you want to watch it from the perspective of like a, a Russian person's 480p camcorder snuck into a theater... Da, yeah. da, 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 yeah. I don't know any other Russian. Yeah, me neither, unfortunately. Actually, I do. Yet? But that's an artifact from a different time, and it makes me sad to think about. Okay. All right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Anywho. So what's on on the docket? I don't have much on the docket. I was trying to tee us up to talk about some of the movies that we've been watching, because that's a thing we could talk about. Yeah. Uh, What was the... Sorry, I'm having I'm having brain fog. You're having brain fog. I have <laughs> oh, what else is there? <laughs> I now have an excuse that might be. I um, what was the one movie? Don't look up. It was terrible. You didn't like Don't Look Up. I hated it. I liked it. I think it was bad. Why? I'm assuming most people have seen this I by mean, now because it's all anybody's talking. Part about of anyway. the problem is that like. Adam McKay is doing himself no favors on Twitter, talking and clapping back against the haters. Because um, he's just like, if you don't think climate change is the biggest successor, it's like, yes, we're aware, my friend. Maybe if you didn't give $30 million to Leonardo DiCaprio to start in the movie and maybe just did something else or, you know, literally anything else except make a movie. 
Well, listen, he's a movie director. That's what he's supposed to do. I don't hold it against somebody that wants to have an activist cause using their preferred form to do that. That's a dumb but criticism. Then it, yeah, but then is it a movie or is it a piece of activism? It can be both things. No. And I definitely... Yes, it, yes, it, of course it can. Nah. What are you talking about? There's plenty of things like that. Ugh. Dr. Strangelove was that. That was more of a movie. Don't Look Up is also a movie. It's not a bad movie. Mm. Like, this is the thing. Everyone's complaining about, like, people involved in the movie or, you know, whatever. But criti- if you want to criticize the film itself, I'm with you on that. I have criticisms of it, but I don't think it was a bad movie. In fact, I thought it was uncannily an accurate portrayal of our world today, which you rarely see. Like from the perspective of social media, politics, like it it does convey a certain sense and air in the world that not a lot of other media or art properties I've ever seen have ever done. I mean... That doesn't mean it's flawless, but it's definitely got a vibe to it that's accurate, that's nice. It's nice yeah. to see it reflected for once. Maybe. I mean, the, you also have to, I don't know. When I was watching, I was, again, I'm kind of realizing this and watching all sorts of these things that were made in, in the current times of like, there's a lot of shot, reverse shot. So how often were all the people in the same room? Like Meryl Streep is very rarely shot with other people. Yeah, they did one scene in the Oval Office over two days where there five main actors were in the same room together and, and that's pretty much all like, you ever no, yeah. see of them together yeah. yeah yeah i get what you're getting at i mean for the listeners if they don't understand what you're talking about a lot of movies shot during the pandemic which actually i think don't look up was shot just beforehand really so they don't they don't really have this excuse but uh, a lot of the things shot during the pandemic you can tell that they're isolating actors on set or otherwise by doing this shot reverse shot thing where there's only one person in the frame at a time or an obvious body double, like standing behind them, out of focus. Spider like Spider Man's was like this too. Spider Man was not like a lot that. of extras, just yeah. very, you know, yeah, like eh, we're around, but we're very far away, and yeah, don't I don't have to be there on the same day. My criticism of D- "Don't Look Up" would be that Adam McKay's style is kind of annoying. It is. I don't find him funny in the way that I think people do, but I will stand up for his filmmaking. Like Big Short, very good movie. Veep. Not Veep, Vice. Whatever. Was, Vice was dog shit. That was bad. And this this had flavors of that. In like the 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 stock footage, you know. Well, he sprinkles. tried to do like a tree of life thing where yeah. to give you the grandeur of Earth, we're gonna sprinkle in montage shots of like animals in fast motion and like oceans and And then do social media, YouTube po- uh, I get where bad. he was going with that, but it doesn't work in the context of one of his movies because you can't alternate between serious like poetic gravitas and jonah hill like making a dick joke it's too abrupt and it doesn't really work no which is maybe a structural problem with don't look up in general is that it's trying to get you to take something really seriously in the form of a comedy and i think its best moments are actually the serious ones like it almost would have been a better movie if adam mckay had kind of dropped his shtick but you can't really do that because but it is a satire and there are moments that work. Like Kate Blanchett is good at making this balance happen. Even Tyler Perry, both those characters. They, well, I mean, they can act the shit out of anything. Tyler Perry. I don't know if that's true of Tyler Perry, but all right. Listen, Tyler Perry cranks out. Do you know how, okay. Do you know about the machine of Tyler Perry? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The compound, the yeah. military base in Atlanta where a 13 episode show is shot in 13 days. Yeah, I know. 
if not seven. Look, I'm not saying he's not efficient at producing products, and he's a very good business person. His merits as an actor are a little. He was good in Gone Girl. I don't even remember. He's great as Medea. Okay, well, he's got to put on a wig and titties, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) wait. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. There's a lot of Tyler Perry's these days running around. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. But I thought the movie was fine, you know? Overall, I thought it was fine. Mm. I thought it was it kind seemed, of innovative. It seemed actually. very much like a Netflix movie. For sure. I'm glad you know, it wasn't in the theater. I would have never paid Well, it was it. in theaters for a limited limited time oh, only. Yeah. Which, like, you know, would you go to watch that in theater? And I think the answer would be... Oh, no, thank you. No, uh, Vice made me never want to see an Adam McKay movie in a theater again. Right, because it just seems like a thing you put on in the background. Yeah. This was very much in that wheelhouse of when there's things that are some interesting acting when you have, um, uh, you know, the one with the bangs. Jennifer Lawrence. Uh Uh-huh. You know, really acting the shit and acting a fool. Like, she, she did well. And None of the performances were bad. Again, my problems with this movie are not really structural. I thought it was kind of interesting that way, actually. Hmm. Setting aside Adam McKay's stylistic annoyance. Yeah. The thing that, you know, politically I think people could criticize about it if if it's, you know, a piece of art activism is the basic message of the story is nothing can be done but yell as loud as you can about it, which is a message I don't support. Even though I basically yeah. do do that. Well. Like, in my life, I go on this podcast and I'm like, yeah, fucking masks are bullshit, huh? You know, I've turned into a right-wing radio host, yet here I am. Uh, the whole thing is that Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence just do their best to alert people to a problem. They don't actually do anything about the problem. And frankly, the message of the movie is that you can't. It's out of your hands. The corrupt politicians and techno-billionaires are really in charge, and they're going to run this into the ground no matter how much you yell about it. So I don't understand why somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio, after reading the script, would sign up for this movie when he's like, wait a minute. You mean the aim is to yell and then we lose in the end? Yeah. And I think they delude themselves into thinking that the audience is going to like wake up by watching something like this and be like, we need to get more engaged. And it's like, this this is is a losing message. This is where I think like the structural messaging falls apart is because the idea that people don't know we've we've kind of crossed that lark you know in the same way like we were just talking about like you know getting a shot no shot you know shoddy no shoddies like you know if people don't believe we've just left them in in the dust at this point whatever fuck them like you you know earth is flat or there's no climate change whatever like we're not dealing with you anymore like there's no it's useless energy to you know convert the unconverted already so who are we shouting to and what are yeah. we shouting at? We're just shouting at people who literally don't care if you live or die. So it's it just becomes a kind of like snaking eating its tail of futility where you're just like, we had to make a movie about this. Yeah, we, we've been done new. Nothing else is new. You know, Tim Cook will launch us into space, you know, to go mine the asteroid for diamonds or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah. I mean, the we Delta know. CEO will ask the government to shorten quarantine times. And, you know, if a few extra people die, we already don't care. We haven't been caring. Whatever. If we if we rub two pennies together, we might get a nickel. Yeah. It's fine. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know what to make of make of that. Like, but I don't like the stance that that it's like this is an important movie. It's like, no, no, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. What I will say is fresh about it. Again, what I liked about it is that at least something is representing the current condition. Because you don't often see that. What you would mostly get if, like, Steven Spielberg made a similar movie would be some navel-gazing, West Wing-style attitude that it used to be better in the past. The Post. Saving Private Ryan. Whatever it is. That's a, that's a what's his face? That's a Ron Howard move. Same with Ron Howard. I mean, usually liberal Hollywood elite is looking back at the past through rose-colored glasses and saying, you just have to hope harder. It's basically a Barack Obama poster, you know, with politicians from the 60s on it. Boomer icons, you know? Well, Or, you know, there's not that much, like, reactionary conservative media, but that type of stuff that exists is usually just violent and nihilistic. You, You know... Uh, Craig Zoller's movies or even like John Wick I mean it's like not that they that even has a political message but its message is basically just like violence is cool because what else we got well that that kind it's of a new ver- it's a different version of yelling at people with guns mm. instead uh, of your voice well there's the other way to uh, you know yell at people which is the matrix portion where in order to like you know s- escape you just gotta all every movie, every future movie, maybe this is a this is going to entree into a larger thing. Is like every future movie is all about like everything's bad, but we got to find a way out with clicky clackies or guns or Murph, um, because love conquers all. The critical thing is the Murph. It's the Murph. Murph. The the message of the lesser movies is always that love is going to win. What the what Don't Look Up actually kind of does is combine the reactionary attitude with the liberal attitude of yell, but then you lose. You lose and love is all you got. Love is love all is you not going to win. Yeah. You just have dinner and then you die. Which honestly is closer, I think, to the larger like human truth of the matter. Mm. For most people alive through all of human history, that has been the best thing you can take away from life is like love the people around you and chaotic forces larger than you. It's out of your hands, you know? That's true of a peasant in the Middle Ages, and it's true of us now. So what are you going to do about that? Hey, man, who cares? But yeah, you're right that most future movies boil down to, like, love will conquer, which is, at this point, it's not a comforting fiction. No. I think is what, like, Don't Look Up kind of demonstrates. Like, The Matrix 4 sucks for a lot of reasons, but, like, let's pretend it was a perfectly flawless movie from a formal standpoint. Hard to imagine, but let's just say that it was. If that's really the message at the end, because something like Interstellar is actually closer to this. Matrix 4 is so bad that I just don't... They suffer from the same problems. They do, but at least Interstellar from the standpoint of movie making is compelling visually, it's paced well, it's coherent in its narrative till the the very, very end of it, it falls apart. Because of the love problem. Because Murph, okay. But yeah, you can have like a good movie and that message at the end is supposed to be uplifting when a family emerges victorious or reconciles or whatever. But I think for people right now, it just doesn't work anymore. No, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, hashtag unrelatable content. Yeah. In terms of like how the whole idea, I don't know. I just think. For, for example, real quick. Yeah. So there was an article recently about why is Obama era stuff so cringe now? Because it was. Because it always was. But at the time, 
it fit the vibe. Right. Earnestness. At least for some yeah. people. Things yeah. like Hamilton and Harry Potter and Parks and Rec, they're almost unwatchable now. But they weren't always that way. Parks and Rec is still watchable. It's tough, dude. I actually tried because this has come up a lot online lately. And I'm like, wait, I like Parks and Rec. I've always liked Parks and Rec. And I haven't watched it in a couple of years. And I went back and I was like, Why? yeah, this is tough. Were you watching the first season? No, I jumped into like seasons three and f- like things I remember very fondly. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, this the saccharine nature of this is really aggressively cringe. Like even just the premise of it, that Leslie Nope is like a do-gooder bureaucrat, is so laughable. It's a, it's a premise you can't even take seriously. It made a little mm. bit more sense under Obama and like, you know, Hillary. That was mm. the whole idea of her. You know, right. why do you think Leslie Nope like loves Joe Biden? It's weird. Oh, that's it's true. It's really that maybe gets a little to watch yeah. now because uh, it's so dark in in a way that it's not self aware about. Even the snake juice episode. I don't know. Like the fun, goofy like bits might be funny. I but... feel like yeah. I feel like maybe overarching narrative of like we can do it if we all work together. Maybe we can calm the fuck down on that one. Yeah. But like you know, that's all I'm trying to say because it's know. like the inverse of the Adam McKay problem where it's like there might be certain scenes in Don't Look Up that are legitimately funny or uncomfortable in a good way, but a lot of them are just cringe and yeah. fall flat. It has Parks and Rec has the same problem in the opposite direction. Right. Bits work sometimes. You know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So. I was just trying to get get your mind cooking, like spurring that point further home. That I think you're right. That like the love conquers all message is what what you can't sell people anymore. Same I thing mean, happened in the '70s, kind of. If you think about the cinema of that era, at least as oh, it's understood I mean, at a distance. I mean, but at least that was after like hippies, like like right. There, there was no free love of the aughts. People it, will say like Occupy Wall Street. People will say, like, Bernie. I mean, if you're thinking about it from, like, culture... Those were not successful hippies, though. No, they, they were not. not successful. But at... the hippies were never successful at anything, either. Uh, they infiltrated culture deeply. But that's the thing. That's all they ever did. And that's why infiltrating mm-hmm. culture is not the thing anybody wants to focus or needs to focus on. That's why Don't Look Up is, like, spurring this conversation on and is a crux of this problem. Because just producing culture that reaches a lot of people, that has a lot of broadcast, doesn't mean you're going to have any impact. Right. That should be the t- that should have been the takeaway from the 1960s. But the boomers just internalized that that was some great cultural revolution, that if you change enough hearts, you'll change people's minds. And then they got houses in the suburbs, and we know the end of the story. Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a galaxy brain moment right now. Um, so, you know, if you think, because the way that time and circular trends and, ideas of you know thought processes have now compressed because now we have nostalgia for 2005 for some unholy fucking reason um and i hope all of you with your bootcut jeans and your flares and your low rise um all realize that all you have is muffin tops and wet ankles um team whale tail bring it back um that like so if if we if the idea of like if anyone would be so illogically gui- illogically guided to say like you know the obama years were like our 60s it was like free love and we were gonna win through caring and you're like okay cool it cool your jets um like we're now in like whatever that might have been is so short like whatever bastardization of free love and civic engagement and whatever um came crashing we're now in our 70s mode of engagement in the world where you know if hippies were free love and commun 
communal things and community building. Now we're into suburbs and key parties. We're like, we're going to do a potluck, but like, you know, you know. I mean, maybe sort of. We're almost to the 80s. We're almost there. We're almost to greed is good again. Here's here's the problem is that, you know, history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes is the old thing. Everything stopped during the 70s, though. That's what that's what's hard to. That's what's hard to grok about the current moment because y- you would imagine. Yeah, we're going to have the gas crisis again. Well, we're having a lot of the same like structural problems. What the 80s did was put those problems off till now. Oh, right. So we're not going to get an 80s out of this. No. Oh, you know what true. I mean? There's yeah. no gas left in the tank. You can't You can't just um, admit China to the WTO again. You know, there's there was all these things on a geopolitical level that we could still do. A lot of you know, sleight of hand. Right. <laughs> regarding like economic policy and the cultural impact of that that took until now to kind of burn all the way off. And what are you going to do? There's nowhere else to get more oil. There's no infrastructure left to manufacture your own goods. There's none of this support structure in place. It was stripped systematically in the 80s to keep the party going. We don't get our 80s because the party's over now. Oh, yeah. Like, collapse is imminent. Not not in the sense that everyone's going to die. It's not a don't-look-up situation. But... Conditions will continue to decay. I think that's undeniable. Yeah, I mean... I don't know how you can start, like, a podcast conversation talking about how the CDC is, like, lying to everyone and then being like, yeah, I don't know, the corporations asked us to do it and we did. They didn't do that in the 80s. (laughs) If they did, they tried to keep it a secret. They don't even try anymore. Well, it's kind of useless to keep it a secret. We'll we'll find out eventually. I mean, you know, I I was out, you know... While I was feeling slightly sniffly and buying my buying my treat, um, I was like, "Ooh, I'll go shopping." You know, we're in, you know, the Williamsburg Mall, and I like felt this shirt that I was like, "Hmm, this costs how much? This costs seventy dollars. This is an H and M shirt from twelve years ago. Like, what? Wow, things have deteriorated to such the extent that like everything is the sadness of the goods is so palpable." That it's like, oh, what? Oh. Oh. Like, again, there's no party because it's just like, what what do you what do you got? I'm like, oh, we have rags. Yeah. Welcome to the rag land. Ugh. Oh, well, I've mentioned it on here before, but there's like a heuristic that I like that's like, if you subtracted all the screens in the room, except for issues of design, how do you know you're not in 1972? Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying and what we've talked about many times with the declining quality of goods is like, you might actually know you're not 1972 because things are worse. Palpably to the touch to the yeah. eye worse yeah. than they used to be. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. It was really bad. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's such well-trod territory for us to like talk about the feel of it I know. in terms of goods or whatever, but it's the psychological vibe that I think is the center of the conversation. Yeah, vibes are bad. Vibes been bad. And well, I know I know that they've been bad, but it's like do you have any ideas about how do you live with it? Because I I've gotten to an, a strange and interesting point where I think I have my eye on all the big stuff, but I'm just not invested in it anymore. It's too farcical. Uh, it's gone too far for outrage or surprise or even caring anymore. Which in one way is bad. That's not a good feeling. But it's also liberating to be like, yeah, well, what are you going to do? 
Yeah, I mean, resignation is a really wonderful feeling where you just go, huh? Yeah, of course. Like, I think that's the only, like, sane way to handle anything is just to kind of look and go, oh, what's happening? CDC did what? Yeah, knew that was coming. All right, moving on. What are we getting for brunch? And not like a return to brunch. Mm. Not a return to brunch in the like, oh my God, can't wait. It's just like, well, fuck it. If you can't beat them, might as well join them. We're not taking selfies, but we are going, we are going to abuse the bottomless mimosa tray (laughs) to soothe the pain, you know? Because what what else are you going to do? Like, I don't know. Like it's, you know, the weight of, on the psyche of seeing, you know, double quarter mile lines to get either a shot or a test or whatever while simultaneously having a, you know, a cheesecake factory powwow situation. You're just like, what world do I live in now? And is it worth freaking out about? And I think the answer is you should freak out in a little bit to just go, what is happening? Where am I? And then you just kind of have to center yourself in a, of, well, yes, this is the way the world is, and it is insane. Okay. Yes. I guess I experienced that sort of resignation or coping or whatever you want to call it as, a, as an additional weight. It's a new weight. It's not as heavy as the weight of being outraged by things or surprised by things, but it's a new and different kind of weight. It throws me off psychological balance in a different way that's actually harder to describe because it's a more pervasive atmospheric feeling and less directed at anything or anyone. Because then it's just a junk feeling. Yeah. Which it, which it's a depression which you don't, feeling. Which you don't lose. It just No. It, you can't like, lose it. It's in the filter of your brain and it's really hard to like defrag. It doesn't go away in private moments. Certain other yeah. things can. Like if if you're if you're out on the street and you know, someone is an asshole to you in traffic. In that moment, it's it's easy to get, you know, fed up and say something out loud. And then later when you're at home, you don't necessarily think about it. No. But when there's like macro psychic problems, they don't go away. They never go away. Yeah, they can. I mean, if you're doing something else that <sighs> requires more attention, reading and making art make them go away. To some extent, consuming media makes them go away, but that, not really, because no, media, that just, that just much reinforces like the fabric, it, no. is also very thin. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I, 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 it is a kind of thing of, I don't know, I think you just have to recognize it and then just go like, okay, the theater of the absurd is winning. Not And the response is not, and I'm okay with that. You just go, it always has. I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of like don't, well, I never know what I'm actually pining for in these moments because when you put it that way, it makes me think like, well, was I just better off when it was hidden from me? Whether that's by the powers that be or by my own ignorance. Is it really true? Is the Matrix thing really true that I know the steak is fake? I know my brain's just sig- sending signals telling me that it's delicious and juicy. Like, is that actually better? Is that actually what I'm asking for? And sometimes when I'm at my lowest, I feel like, yeah, like, kind of, yeah. I am asking to just... Uh, you know, yeah, take me back to 2003. <laughs> like, so on some level, that's really appealing, you know? The the curse of knowledge is a real thing. It doesn't help to know a lot. It never helps. Uh, you. I, I, that. you have to be a special kind of person to be able to weaponize, like, uh, knowledge and be useful. It's difficult to be useful. Who it's asked easy to you be to, smart. Who asked you to be useful? 
Nobody asked me, but I do feel that compulsion. I don't know if that's an innate thing or a cultural thing. I mean, I wouldn't blame anybody for that but myself, but I feel that. I don't think that's invalid somehow. Mm, I mean, no, I, like I said, again, no one, it's not, this is going to sound really fucked up, but you owe, you owe nothing to knowing, you know nothing for, you owe nothing for knowing more about the world. That's not what I'm saying, though. I'm not saying that it's a that it's a correlative thing. Okay. It's not. It's not this idea that because I have more knowledge, I have more responsibility. That's not. That's not what I mean. Mm, I just mean that the knowledge yeah, the but... knowledge makes you aware that you, if you could manipulate it better, you might have the opportunity to advance what you think is good in the world. Useful, being useful. Uh, is that real? Is that a real feeling? I absolutely. That's absolutely a real feeling, and and people actually do this. Like, you know, s- stick with me for a second because it's a controversial example. But like, say what you want about Elon Musk. I actually think that Elon Musk is very useful, and uses his resources well by his terms. He does a lot of bad things in the process, and you can squabble over this or that. But like, at the end of the day. He's the chief engineer of his own company, you know? He's not just the CEO. He's not just a businessman. He knows his shit, and he makes innovations happen. I, that might be some Kool-Aid drinking, but... I, no, no, no. It, it, it's, mm. it, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's, okay. it's true. And, like, well, and, if, and if his idea is that it would be better if people thought electric cars were cooler so that more people would drive them, he's very successful at that. Yeah, but and why, that's been why do they cost so goddamn much, then? They don't cost that much. Mm. And he's made an effort to like popularize that. Now, I'm only saying that on a certain level because it's a controversial example. To illustrate, that doesn't mean you're a good person. And it doesn't mean that you're useful by somebody else's standard, but he's clearly measured up to his own, even beyond mm. that. I mean, he's done more with that amount of resources than most people with that amount of resources ever do. <sighs> he doesn't run a hedge fund, you know? Right, well. So it, it, this idea of like, usefulness or feeling compelled or ambition doesn't necessarily mean you have to do anything with it but it's very possible through a lot of examples in society that it happens that people do it at a grand scale does that corrupt you on some level i would argue probably probably. yeah on a small scale are there people that do this and you never heard of them because they're altruistic and they take no credit people that you know volunteer for feeding people or working at a nursing home or whatever yeah there's all sorts of heroes like that too i'm just saying that when you don't do that when you're me you feel that you're not doing it Mm -hmm. the weight of responsibility is real because you know that it exists that's where the knowledge part comes in too right you know you're not doing it well that's up to you to change yeah and when i say like take me back to 2003 part of that indictment is a huge part of myself just says you don't really want anything to change there you go. And then the other 40% of me wants to complain about it, though. Okay, you know, so like you that can't is, have it both ways. But what I'm, what I'm, what I'm using myself as a, as a whipping person here to say that most people do. Most right. people have it both ways their entire life. Yeah. Mm. And if that is your condition, like, awareness of it doesn't change it. Well, we talked about this uh, uh off off mic but i I don't know if it was after a movie thing of or not but the idea that like you know did i just lose it change change sorry walk me through it again fuck 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 uh 
uh, self-knowledge and awareness doesn't change your attitude towards the world one way or another. And you were saying that you, we're don't, you didn't know if it was a movie thing or not, but we were talking off mic about... Mm. <sighs> no. Help me out. This can't Do, happen right now. I can't help you. You didn't say anything. No. <laughs> we were talking about like diminishing returns on, on th- things, and I don't know if it was... Oh, we were talking... This also circles it back to the Matrix. Okay, got it. Okay, that there's no newness. Like everything. Yeah. Do you remember? Like we were talking. Yeah, we were sure. Like, we were talking about the Matrix Four. Yeah. Because we were talking about. This goes back to the idea of like wanting change or doing change work. Is the idea that like the precarity of anyone who has this knowledge is so high that the, the risk aversion is stratospheric to even want to begin an undertaking because a whether it's debt precarity or just purely being underpaid or whatever like no one is really in a position to take on new ideas because they a won't be profitable b put you at too much of a risk for personal loss or c will just you know a little bit of column a a little bit of column b yeah sure i mean for individual people when you use the example of like debt peonage that's very obvious. Everybody understands this that it's easy as like an underserved person to be completely risk averse. It's easier to do that than to put it all on the line. But the example you bring up when we were talking about this in terms of movies, we were talking about these big IP products and like why they suck so much and why they like are future canceling because it's not a question even of money or whatever. Well, it is it is a question. It's mostly it's a question, question of, of money. money. What I meant is it's not um it's not a question of how many resources a certain entity actually has because the risk aversion is pervasive now in terms of these movies these big hollywood studios are also completely risk averse it costs them so much to make tentpole products that they can't afford for them to fail so not only can they make no low-end products at all as loss leaders for other things their big tentpole things have to be absolutely safe 100 percent of the time which means they have to be and also stratospheric in terms of profit well yeah because they co- they cost a lot to make do they cost too much to make maybe yeah but they've they've driven themselves into a situation where they've trained the entire audience to want only that so it's a catch-22 they can't get out of that now without significant investment in rebranding for a decade get everyone right. off the mcu pill and back onto the pta pill or whatever which was never a real thing pta pill the paul thomas anderson yeah pill? just for example no one was ever on yeah. that pill but like only my Rudolph was on that. What pill. you would have to do is lose money for a decade to reorganize this. And why would you ever do that? I mean, what do they care? They don't care what kind of slop they're feeding to pigs. <laughs> it doesn't matter to them. Right. But the point is just that risk aversion societally is massive. Yet the kind of existential risk that is coming down on high to us because our society is fragile is huge. So you have a global population that's mostly completely risk averse. And then you have catastrophe. We touched on this in another podcast. I can't remember if it was the after show or the main one, but mm. this is where I always get alarmist about like, how can you possibly imagine that? I think you could just stop the sentence right there. That society doesn't do the wrong thing. Oh. How oh. could you possibly imagine a, a risk averse society managing risk well ever? We're living through it. Hello. And you, and you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I just think you just can't imagine anymore. You're, Nobody there's can. An, there's no incentive to be imaginative in any way. 
like there's not even possibility. Right. I mean, it, it's well, worse than in, possibility, it's worse than incentives because I- incentives incentive or you could just sub in profit motive usually have, have what have driven us into this position. We've disincentivized real imagination for long enough that now it's not possible. We've forgotten how to do it. Right. Now it's reaction, which is oof. and well, yeah. And add on top of that that the amount of information we've been able to collect makes the idea of construing new situations so complex that no individual could possibly do that. I mean, when you think about the end of the 18th century, it was still possible for individual people to know everything that had ever been learned about mathematics. Everything that had ever been learned about biology. You could learn entire fields, multiple of them, and know them better than most people on Earth. Now no individual even the best specialists can know enough about any particular thing. Well, the stream of the stream of possible knowledge is so overwhelming that how do you model new situations? You kind of can't do it. And you can't do it without the help of computers especially. Right. But you use the computers to do it and their limited framework limits your possibility to model things. I mean, it doesn't You only have the, the imagination that the computation has. You right. don't have human imagination anymore. Well, I mean, you know, at least the machines are rising up and telling children to put pennies in the electrical sockets. <laughs> Do you know why I think that happened, that Alexa incident? Because it was probably a Google thing of challenge. Yeah, yeah, because Alexa just scrapes Google for these kind of results. And, you know, that's probably some TikTok. Thing. There's no, yeah, there's no context. Cl- machines yeah. still can't do context clues. They're getting better at it. But I mean, that's that's looked at one way, like from a person that's just clinging desperately to an old definition of humanity. That's a negative thing. But looked at another way, like when, when artificial intelligence eventually does learn these human capabilities, but brings to it the ability to sort through the data that we don't have, that new form of life might be better than us. It might be what we were here to generate in the first place. Like if I know it's like, it's pathetic, but like if you walk around and you look at any, organic thing you know a bee's making a beehive they're there to produce the honey for why because it's delicious because it's delicious for humans they're there to pollinate the flowers they don't even know that that's what they're doing but if you think about human beings and you zoom out for a second and you go like we're so clingy about our own consciousness and how important we are to the story if we're just the link between this and the next thing that's all we'll ever be oh you just want to be a battery I don't want to be this, but I suspect that if we were here to do anything that will continue and not destroy itself, it won't be us, probably. And whatever we think about it will be irrelevant because we won't be able to conceptualize it. Hmm. You know, to use another future movie with a with a actually kind of good nihilistic message, her, what happens at the end of that movie? She can't love an individual anymore because computers love trillions and trillions of other computers simultaneously. And she loses touch. Oh, I thought it was just like the philosopher AI guy who... That's the seed that's planted. That when the AI started interacting with other AI, like human beings aren't that interesting to them. Well, that's the thing. And in the movie, they like sort of benevolently leave humanity and it's left unknown, like, you know, how we will recover from their absence. But like... You know, computers won't benevolently leave us. They'll let us rot. 
And it won't be from a moral perspective of wanting to do it or trying to do it. It's just we won't be necessary for them anymore. Well. And that that happens all the time. Think about how many animals we put to extinction because we need to do this or that. You don't think about them in terms of their sentience. Wasn't the dodo delicious, though? I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. I, I think it's likely that sailors were just looking for any protein after long voyages. Why you got to blame it on the sailors? You can blame a lot of things on sailors. Don't let's be don't blame the seamen. Yeah, they have to yo ho ho in a bottle of rum and then you know eat a bird. You know, um, that's how you ward off scurvy. No, you need citrus trees. For I that. know, I'm aware, but maybe it was like an orange bird. They didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know no better. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to engage you on the idea that if you take a longer view. That's the only thing that gives me a little bit of comfort is trying to zoom out. Whether that means in terms of years or just conceptually, I don't really know. But if you don't place as much emphasis on what we want as part of this system, meaning the universe, I guess. Okay. Then it doesn't look so bad. Then it doesn't really matter what happens. Hmm. You just played your part in this unfolding. That's been the always of human experience though i don't know if that's true i i I think it's always playing your little part and that's just what you do that's humanity well yeah you could always say that as sort of a truism but the experience of what that is like is unique to every person that's what makes us special like we know for sure that doesn't happen with insects Uh, you sure pretty sure Mm, pretty sure i you you can never say anything is a hundred percent but I would wager that an insect's experience of its individuality is nowhere near as complex and nuanced as a human being. You don't think that one bee who has to like toss out the like sick bee or the fake queen isn't just like a fucking hero in his own mind? I don't know that for sure, but I don't think so. No, <laughs> no I don't know. I, I have you know, they don't they don't watch like a bee movie and feel vindicated seeing themselves well, up for- on the screen. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's forget about the bees or the animals for a second because it's true that you don't necessarily know, but like just saying like, yeah, that was always the point. That's, that's never helpful to anybody. It's always worth restating in the form of a conversation and arriving at that in a different way. Hmm. Yes. It's a truism. Yes. It's like sappy kind of, but you do have to find it. You have to find it on your own. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it is that kind of thing of like, you know, everyone's the protagonist in their own story, or like, you know, we, this is why we have the conversation now of main main character syndrome or whatever, where it's like, eh, it's not necessarily about you. It's about the we use, not the what are we not, playing bowling? Yeah, not that, but uh, <laughs> the like all of us being you together just like you have to serve your purpose and whatever how minimal or how grand that you know that's both for society to judge and for you to judge that there are you know we've seen succession there are successful people who are like i'm a useless piece of shit and you're like excuse me sure you you run a media empire shut the fuck up i have no sympathy you know um yeah but i was trying to convey something with like that macro example of maybe we're here to bring ai into existence and right that uh, whatever i was trying to convey with that that there's a way to look at it that's beyond just human dynamics even it's not about being 
main character syndrome or being the hero of your own story or how successful you are or how much you internalize how we can do this together that's all the that's all the negative saccharine messaging that i think isn't isn't helpful because it ultimately does resolve to the individual and puts too much onus on them i don't think that you have that much control over your life for most people Mm. so saying that you know if you only meditated enough or if you only cared enough and if we all came together no also if you you weaponized your individuality to such an extent that you became elon musk is that necessarily a good thing either not necessarily but like you know isn't isn't it a buddhist thing of like you know not not that you're trying to find the middle way but you're trying to you know i don't know is it is it a know thyself moment or is it just like what I'm trying to say is don't frame it in terms of yourself. Don't frame it yeah. in terms of individuality at all. Like, it's comforting to me, and I'll just speak for myself, to try and zoom out. Objectivity is not a popular word, but to try and use that, model that in your mind, and look at human beings as if they were an ant colony next to the freeway, then what it does it look like? That's real small. Yeah. But those are actually really big underneath something. You know. Well, sure. And I mean, there is there is a sad side to it where you go think about all all that is lost, whether it's because the sun eventually expands and swallows Earth and we can't leave or because we do it by our own hand or whatever. Yeah, the underground part that will just disappear from the universe. That's brutal to think about. That's not beautiful. That's always sad. It's not. That's if you believe in just that the material of the mat, like, you know, you don't, you don't believe in the, the woo-woos of it, the energies. Conservation of energy, right? So, like, even if, you know, we get blasted off of the face of the earth, energy can't be, you know, it's, it, it, it's going somewhere. Yeah, sure. There's no deletion. It's going somewhere, world. but it's, it's very obvious that the constellation of things that need to happen to make a habitable planet full of conscious beings is so rare. Yeah. That whatever form that energy takes is not ever going to be this form again. Right. We got some gray people floating around that might say otherwise, you know, they're like, I know we, we did that, but you know, I don't know what you're making me think is perhaps it always resolves to the individual anyway, because yeah, there might be gray people around. They might, be able to reconstitute some people but will they be able to reconstitute you or your mother or no and that's fine maybe that's fine i think like i don't know there is something to coming to the i don't know if it's comforting or just like oh just oh don't have to worry about it of like you know like it it is the old catholic thing of like remember your dust and to dust you shall you know Flit dust. off, flit off to dust, ashes to ashes. No, that's the cute way. No, no, no. That's oh, it's different than that. Yeah. Really. Remember, you are dust to dust; you shall return. That's the long form. So, like, yeah, you just go. You know what? That's probably true. Quite frankly, yeah. All right. That, uh, it's that's, not probably true. I mean, it is. It true. is. Um, that's why we love burning people when they die, not when they're alive, unless they're witches, in which case, bonus. Um, <laughs> but like, you know. That's, you know, that that idea is supposed to be horrifying, but also just make you go like, right, it's not that big. Just, just you know, you're you're nothing. 
you know, it's a humbling and also like it's a terrifying humbling because it just reinforces that you should be afraid of death. But like if you stare death in the face and you're like, don't give a fuck about you right now. You're just like, in the end, there will be no me in this form. That is also fine. Well, yeah, I mean, and you just have to do with what you with the experience and the energies that you have and can move around. Because, like, if you think about, like, you know, if, if using this idea of like no energy is lost, like the amount of like, you know, what are they called? Electro, the things firing in your brain on the synapses. I don't know. I don't know science. I went to art school. Um, like that's a lot of generated, again, particulate activity, right? So even though one person is one mass of things, we're still producing way more as thinking people, as thinking beings. True, but I was kind of alluding to the fact earlier that it's sad how little we actually do output. When I was making that point about how difficult it is to actually be useful. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. That we all have this amazing, like, more or less closed loop system of our brain that generates all of this potential. Yeah. And yet most of us never use it. Right. Even the smart ones never use it. Um, You could just say that is what it is. Uh, But it's hard to use it. But it's hard. It's hard to reconcile that. There's very, there's very few things I think that I can even think of that have as much possibility that have such a bad ratio of possibility to output. There's no such thing as a business that runs at that ratio. There's no such thing as a biological system that is that inefficient as human consciousness is with its output. Right. Well, and yet still we've gotten this far. Like the reason I'm interested in feelings. Um, well, but the reason I'm interested in preservation, basically in the modernist idea of progress is that that impulse is what's led us this far. Collectivizing our limited potential We've done really good on building on a lot of failure. Well... I think it's worth seeing how far you can take that. I think it's also because, I don't know, I think at some point along, you know, in the past, like, I don't know, we really stopped giving any value to failure at some point in a useful way. And do you remember, like, you know... 12 years ago the idea of like humiliation was like being touted as like oh no that's a really vulnerable like we we should strive for that because the worst things that you could possibly imagine are probably the things closest to leading to some kind of breakthrough of your own thought like i don't know even in the past like seven years i want to say the idea of failure has now just become a inevitable so it's just kind of laughable like oh your shit's failure or whatever like like the Sean Landers thing of like that loser feeling of like, right. like that, but that was even a farce. That was not even, you know, legitimate always, failure is now like, well, I failed miserably and I was losing everything. And then I came up with this really great idea. And now I own a hedge fund and fuck you. And you're like, Whoa, like we, we now the, the, hustle culture failure into the fetish. The fetishization of failure was always a cover for people's lack of rigor. That's a nice yeah. way of saying laziness. Yeah, but when we think about like early work of people's like artistic careers, like there's a lot of things that were like, "Ooh, what a me- what a mess." But you get to see trails of things. 
sure, you get to see trails of things, but but anybody espousing the idea that failure is a means to progress doesn't understand doesn't understand anything about history or progress in general. Meaningful failure is valuable, but that comes from a tremendous amount of admirable effort in the direction right. of success. It does not come from slacker failure, slacker attitudes. Yeah, um, we mixed the message in the nineties, and maybe that's an interesting point about today is that when institutional failure has come to be expected doing so on a personal level feels bad it doesn't feel like a thing to be cherished oh no you suck yeah you, you don't want to you don't want to fail on top of your society you want to succeed in spite of it i hope right yeah like and that kind of circles back to the idea of like you know you got to be the hero of your own story and overcome the obstacles you know like I don't know how to, and again, this is maybe the problem of like uh, contemporary storytelling is that there's no other way of, and maybe this is not true in like uh, novel, like novels or something like that, but the idea that like, you know, no matter what you have to overcome, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's always, that's not the greatest like, not everyone will do that. If anything that we know about, like, say, for instance, like the opi- op- opioid crisis, like people are not overcoming and a lot of people are failing miserably, which means dying. Well, can right? you and can you imagine a better illustration of something impossible to overcome for most people? I mean, oh, yeah, no, that's a literal death spiral, heroin addiction or opioid addiction. Bye bye. It's a very small success rate. No matter no matter how hard you try, of ever overcoming that, yeah. No, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the guy from The Wire, like you know, it does. It's not a question of poor or rich, even in that case. No, it's just it, you. You can't. No one. Some people are not going to win. Period. You are not going to be. You can even be the hero of your own story and other people's stories, and still just be like, mm, no, couldn't do it myself. Like it's, you know, it's overwrought. But like the idea, like the like the like nap society idea of like you're winning just by surviving is unfortunately becoming more and more like realistic. I don't love a like turquoise and pink graphic about it, you know? Um, but well, because that has a different aim that has the aim of turning that into something desirable, not a reality, but something you should strive for your own helplessness and infantilization. That's why it takes the form that it takes. Yeah, I'm not trying to live in a fucking Rugrats cartoon. Listen, like, I just want someone to, you know, put it in deep Soviet impact block of, like, futility is inevitable. Yes. Well, that's what's interesting about maybe their propaganda against ours is you're mixing something up here, which is, to use the Soviet example, none of their propaganda ever said it was futile. It always said that it was successful, that they were the strongest, that they were the best. Well, we're living through that now. And yet it still failed, you know. But our propaganda doesn't do that. Yeah. American liberal propaganda, at least. Right. You know, the conservative reactionary propaganda is the Soviet style of... We are We are the American. best. We can we never lose. So we're the most masculine. Yeah. We're the most whatever. Um, Only those liberal pussies are shooting blanks. But there has been a turn in liberal elites that's really different. You've, I don't think there's ever been world propaganda of any society... That's been telling you basically you are baby, uh, give in to baby. I am baby. 
you are so small like a small beans boy uh, you're you're small you're small beans and don't you want a casper mattress and another booster shot like never I only be- want one of them and i think it's the casper mattress yeah. <laughs> i don't want the booster i already got my free one from yeah from you got the, the world free boosty. yeah i mean a government that's telling you you know we're we're going down but that's okay Oh, you know what they're doing? They're saying, baby, we're going down swinging. I need another one with a bullet because nostalgia. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to go get a pork pie hat and not a pork pie hat. One of those big newsy caps and grow my hair out. Oh, wait. Can't do that. Too late. Down, down in the booty in the sugar. We're going down swinging. That's the. Holy shit, dude. That's. Isn't that. Wasn't that. Mayor Pete's thing. You just no. His was high, high hopes. Same, band. but uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, talk about going back to two thousand three. Right. We are the Fallout Boy Society. We really haven't. That's the Fallout the, Generation. Ew. If you had told all of us <laughs> back then that this was your future, this was the strain of culture that would win, I would have been pissed. Oh, God. I guess it's that and purple pills. D twelve. We live in both those cultures. Excuse me? Yeah, it was basically songs about doing uh, opioids. (laughs) Well, I've taken my glasses off. I'm rubbing my eyes. I, oof. Listen, everything's bad. But everything could be fine. That's not true. I mean, everyone needs to get over that idea. That's not true. I don't know. (laughs) I was really, you know, October, I was really feeling great. I was like, you know, everything is on fire, but I feel fine. Isn't that another song too? Oh, that's, it's the end of the world as we know it, but I feel fine. That's overused. Can't do that. No. Gross. Except as every day passes, except for my gut, I look more and more like Michael Stipe. That's a slippery slope to Moby. I look more like Moby. <laughs> Where's your neck tattoo? What? Yeah, Mo- Moby has a giant neck tattoo that says vegan in well, Helvetica. That's not going to happen. We know that. Um, you know, I also, yeah, I don't want to be f- pushing 65 with a 28-year-old boyfriend. Yes, you do. Yeah, I kind of do. Um, they keep you getting younger. I s- they stay the same age. I keep getting older. All right, all right, all right. Do you don't you not know that line? I do. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. Oh yeah. Uh we can't let it pass. Uh Free Galane. She was convicted okay. tonight. Where's that concert? In an absolute tragic miscarriage I of justice. I don't think it was nope, nope, <laughs> nope. 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 Um sending our deepest Where's the Ariana Grande Galane Maxwell benefit show? <sighs> okay. I feel like that's more of like a Billy Joel concert. Oh, yeah. The people on Long Island. Actually, I don't know. No. That's the one. You know what? That's the one thing we can all unite in is that Epstein didn't kill himself and Ghislaine should go to jail. Okay. Well. (sighs) 